Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. If it's your first time here, you're extra welcome to the show. An exciting show we have for you today. We've got music from Greg Clifford. We've got the ultimate coffee cocktail for you to get you through this summer. That is brought to you by Niall Wynn of Proper Order Coffee Company. And we've also got the amazing story of Jim Walmsley. I know, before last week, I'd never heard of him either. But what a fantastic, inspiring story it is. I'm delighted to bring it to you today. If you've got anything to tell me, to say, to talk about on this week's show or any of the shows, email hellostevopodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, it's at hellostevo. On Facebook, it's Stephen Mullen Comedy. But there's so much to get through and there's so little time. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Hello Steve O Podcast, episode 65 for May the 25th, 2020. You are so welcome back. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. And what a day it is today. It kind of started getting sunny again here in Ireland yesterday on the Sunday. And uh, it was a real. It was in the middle of my run actually that I noticed the change in the in the weather because you know the debate about should I wear my t-shirt, should I wear my singlet, and it was a bit windy. Went out to do the run, wore the t-shirt, and then halfway through, Jesus, didn't the sun come out and beat down on top of me? And I'm and then I'm running around going, I could have done with my singlet now. But it's an absolute scorcher here as I'm recording this on the Monday. The girls are out in the back route sunbathing themselves. I know it's a weird time in the world. And oh, all right, some of you, I'm sure, have gone back to work. But how bad being in lockdown if you can just lie out in the sun for a bit, huh? Just get that sun cream in. There is something about sun that just completely and utterly changes the mood. The wind has died down today, and apparently the weather forecast for this week is for it to be an absolute scorcher. So I hope wherever you are, that you're enjoying the sun. If you're new to the show, you're very welcome to the show. We've got a fun one up uh, uh, up ahead of us. <laughs> We've got a super fun show uh, 
coming up today. Uh, Jim Walmsley. I hope I pronounced that right. I've got an amazing story to tell you about that guy. Maybe you have heard of him. Maybe you haven't. I'm going to guess probably haven't because I'd never heard of him up until last week. But a fantastic show. Um, sorry, what a fantastic story he has. And I'm excited to tell you about that. And special hello to all the people that I was hanging out with on during the week on Instagram Live. I've never done it before. And it was great crack. We had like impromptu kind of conversation with uh, a good pal of mine down in Cork, Cornelius the Comic. Uh, Cornelius O'Sullivan is his name, but Cornelius the Comic on Instagram. You should follow him out because he does a lot of funny videos. Um, he's a funny guy, but great chats. I didn't think it was just I was I was on chatting to you guys, and out of nowhere he was online, and I said, "Do you want to come on for a chat?" We ended up having like intense conversations about stand-up comedy and passionate and. You know, it was really cool to, you know, you realize that as a comedian, we're always used to hanging out and chatting about stand-up comedy, but he came on and it was just like we both were like vomiting out everything, all our feelings on it and what was going on in our heads about it. So it was great to hang out with him. And what was also great was you guys were super interested in the conversation as well. So that was pretty cool. I've also gotten so many messages about the potential run crew, the dub run crew, I think we're going to call it. Just because it's based in Dublin doesn't matter where you're from, but or we can maybe come up with, a, with another name. But Dub Run Crew, it seems, is that we're going to call. I got so many messages from people who would love to join a run crew here in Dublin. Um, so it looks like it has to happen once lockdown is finished. Um, so I'm delighted. It's, I mean, if you're interested in joining a run crew, basically all it is is getting together once a week, I would think. Maybe more than once a week. I don't know. But certainly once a week to go together for a casual run, it does not matter what your fitness is or what pace you're at. You know, you'd be able to run 5K and um, there's something about running with other people that really, I've done it a few times. I don't think it makes you run faster, but it certainly encourages in your running. And you'll be running at a pace that we can all chat as well. It's a great social aspect to it as well. So... I'm excited about it. I, I mean, I don't know at what phase here in Ireland, at what phase of undoing the lockdown we're allowed to run in a group together. But thanks so much to everybody who got in touch um, and people who are interested in joining a run crew. And um, yeah, I'll just keep in touch with you all. If you are interested, get in touch. You can send me an email on hellostevopodcast at gmail.com. Um, it's, it, the only reason it's in the Dublin area is because that's where I'm based at the moment, but there's people who are from outside Dublin who come up to Dublin that said they'd love to come in the odd time as well. So absolutely, the more the merrier. It's more, it's more about a positive community sense, I think. Um, it's not about... It is about fitness, obviously, because it's a healthy thing to do, but it's not about like becoming competitive or any of that kind of stuff. It's doing something positive together with other people creating a bit of community, I think it's great. I think it's a really good thing to do. Um, so I'm looking forward to that kicking off uh, when th- when that happens later on. Uh, I also have to say a massive thank you to the following people. So I have my list here in front of me. Huge thank you, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, to Terry Kenny, to Nicola Moggerly, to Donald McSweeney, to Joyce Layden, to Niall Wynn, to Tommy Kelly, Suzanne Kenny, Rob Kearns, Ali Paul, Adrian Veal, and Teaser Kearns. They are the first 11 people to sign up uh, to become patrons of the podcast. And genuinely, I am over the moon. I know 11 sounds like a tiny number to people, but to me, that is huge. 
and I'm so grateful to people that are able to support me to continue to do the podcast. And uh, those are my first 11 patrons, and I am absolutely delighted to have you guys on board. I made the first welcome podcast for you there last Friday, and I hope you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I'm genuinely very, very grateful. The, the patron thing is like if you can afford if you can afford to uh, support me by buying me a coffee a month um obviously i'm massively grateful uh because it just means that i can keep doing what it is that i want to do um, and keep putting out the work that i'm doing and if you can't afford it that's absolutely fine there's absolutely no pressure whatsoever this podcast is here for you all the time anyway i know what it's like not to have money so um this podcast is here for you no matter what to have the laughs just to brighten up your day. And the 11th name that I called out there, Teza Kearns, my aunt. So I said I had to read this out. I said to her, <laughs> I sent her a little note going, Ah, Teza, you don't have thanks very much. But, you know, you've been my aunt. You've supported me all my life. You don't have to be supporting me like this. To which Teza said, I've been listening to you. Talk shite all your life. I might as well buy you a coffee for it. So thanks, Auntie Teas, for all the love. <laughs> um. And obviously, I'm trying to get to the 100 patrons challenge. That's my, my goal. If I get to 100, to 100 patrons, um, I, have to, I have promised that I will wear those short shorts and singlet and perform a song singing the guitar that I've specifically written for those 100 people. So that's my promise to you guys. Uh, shout out to um, Moggerly Pies as well. You saw it on Instagram last week. I got sent a load of pies and they were delicious i'm not being sponsored by them uh, they were for free they were a lovely gift to a listener to, uh, from a listener of the show but i ate four of them the first day and at this, this time of recording this one today i've had two as well already i got sent loads so thank you so much if you like a pie it was, when it was a bit cold last week a pie is perfect stick it in the oven tasty as and on that point of sticking in the oven paul cassidy was in touch to say when i when he saw the pies he said the big question is do you have them crispy from the oven or soggy from the microwave? Now, Paul, what do you think I am? Of course, I heat it up in the oven. Not that I personally want to be judging people who reheat in the microwave. But I responded to Paul and I said, no, no, I, I did it in the oven, Paul. To which he responded, good. I wouldn't trust anyone who uses microwaves. Thanks for that, Paul. Shout out to the Irish gaucho as well. Now, for those of you who don't know what a gaucho is, it's like, a, for want of a better term, it's a cowboy in Argentina. So the Irish gaucho is Irish-Argentinian. I didn't know there was uh, more Ar Irish-Argentinians in the world, but he makes am amazing Argentinian-style chorizo sausages, basically. And uh, who's super interesting guy. He sent them uh, as a present as well, and they were so tasty. I made choripan, which is... What they would cut, they kind of sell it in the street in Argentina outside football games and stuff like that. It's just the chorizo sausage, beautifully cooked on an open barbecue in a little bit of white bread. They put chimichurri, which is kind of like spicy is the wrong word, but it's kind of a vinegary, spicy kind of a, um, a sauce that goes in the chorizo, and in you go. Beautiful. And Argentina's called choripan. So I made some choripan here at home. So thanks to Irish Gouch for that. Shout out to Becky Higgins as well, who is a new listener to the show, a big fan of podcasts, dogs, beer, and yoga. What a wonderful combination. I also have to send my apologies out to Denise O'Hare, 
who I was, you know, I obviously got these blue screen glasses that I should be wearing now, actually, because I'm looking at a screen now. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys have heard, I only heard about them recently, but these blue screen glasses that protect your eyes from the glare of your phone or your laptop. And because I've been using um, screens a lot more than I usually do recently, um, my sister actually got me onto these blue screen gl- gl- glasses because I find if I'm on the screen too much, it's hard to sleep or there's a bit of a headache or blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I purchased them. Obviously, I was chatting about what frames I should or should I return them for a black. I got red frames, which is a bit outrageous, but people seem to enjoy it. People voted for the red frame, so I've kept them. Denise then sends me a message asking me what the uh, where I got them from, and uh, it was a Sunday morning when I just looked at the message. I was half asleep, and I just text back amber.com, which is the wrong website because the website is ambereyewear.com. The link that I had sent her was actually... A, a link to medical and a, a medical examinations website. So sorry about that, Denise. Really looked like I wasn't paying attention at all there. But she, she was the one who wrote back to me to, going, do you think, it was, do you mean Amber Eyewear, not Amber? And shout out to Adrian, who, Jesus, he made me laugh uh, a lot there. I was chatting to him the other day. Adrian was telling me that, that this man, I think, is closer to 40 than anything. And this is what he gets up to over lockdown. He WhatsApps voice notes so he sends voice notes over whatsapps over whatsapps why am i saying whatsapps (laughs) he sends voice notes using whatsapp but the voice notes are recordings of farts to his mates and it's not just a random thing to put them off they all do it to each other so (laughs) must be the worst whatsapp group ever they sit there recording their farts, and I'm and I'm and I'm obviously pissing myself laughing, going like, why why would you do that? And he's he literally says to me, well, you know the way you'd be there sitting of an evening and you'd have a load of farts. No. <laughs> so he apparently he has evenings where he knows a load of farts are coming up, and they just <laughs> record them and send them to each other i can't imagine imagine the state of their phones how would you ever put that phone up to your ear for a phone call <laughs> like jesus christ <laughs> oh my god but that's la- that's men for you i guaranteed there's no there's no women or girls listening to this going oh yeah that's a good idea we'll do that for a bit of crack uh anyway fair play to you adrian it's all about a bit of crack it was good speaking of crack it was good crack on instagram live the other evening um, but it was great having Cornelius on, but for some reason, shout out to Neve and Etna, who, was, for some reason, it didn't get into a, a fight or anything like that, but Etna was kept giving out any time I mentioned Neve's name. So all the comments are coming up in the Instagram live, and I would refer to something that Neve said or something like that. And Etna, Etna just starts going, a oh, fucking Neve, 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 Neve. <laughs> so that was... Um, that was interesting. I'm, I know you're having the crack, Edna, but you're you're a mad one, huh? But that it was good crack, though. It was, it was really good fun. And also, shout out to new listener of the show, Ken Murphy, sent a lovely message to say, really enjoying your show. Top six of his podcasts on that morning that he sent the message. So I'm genuinely honoured, uh, Ken. Thanks for listening in. And um, yeah, I hope you I hope you continue to enjoy the show. Top six, like fucking no pressure. I was up there with Joe Rogan and all that on on his top six list. Imagine, imagine. Hello, Steve-O podcast got the Spotify deal that Joe Rogan got, huh? 
don't know if you guys have heard about this, but Joe Rogan, like, it's kind of, it's kind of the biggest podcast in the world at the moment, but uh, he just did a deal with Spotify that he's going to put all his content over to Spotify, and they reckon, it hasn't been officially announced, but he's he's got at least $100 million. But is he happy? <laughs> <laughs> all right, time for the news. Some news that's not depressing. Yes, welcome back to this week's news. And we start off with something that is very close to my heart. If you know me, if you know my stand-up comedy, for example, you will know that this particular subject matter is something that I've been going on about for a while. The dangers of these particular individuals. Here is the headline from the Metro UK. Seagull flies into woman's house and vomits on her kitchen counter. No way. Video footage shows the seagull waltzing through a Brighton living room as seemingly terrified tenants, Natalie 27 and Charlotte 28, scream at it to leave. I doubt, I highly doubt, let me tell you, if there was a seagull in my kitchen, I wouldn't be screaming at it to leave. I I highly doubt that they were going, Oh, leave, leave, please leave. I'd say they were saying more likely, would you fuck off out of my kitchen? The bird is seen waddling around to cries of, Get out! Before it flies across the living room. The balls of this thing. It flies across the living room, appearing to head towards the garden door, but then it takes a detour to the kitchen counter and begins to gag. (laughs) After being sick on the work surface, it flies into the garden before eventually being shooed away from the scene. Obviously, that seagull has had a rough night out. You wouldn't know what they've eaten. No wonder it's puking up. The balls of these birds, they go around Dublin City all the time, just fucking staring you down. What you what you got in your hand there? Falafel, is it? Yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are unbelievable. Recruitment worker Natalie from Brighton said her housemate was sick. Sick herself after seeing the grim, gloopy, rice-like vomit left by the seagull. Rice-like? That's a large trio, huh? Guaranteed that seagulls after scoffing down a a trio that was left out in the street overnight. Left by Stephen the Seagull. Now here is where I'm like, that's how are people called Stephen not in outrage about this, that we're getting named after the psycho birds that I've been giving out about for at least a couple of years now, and they've nicknamed it Stephen the Seagull. She explained, we were on our Zoom to our friends doing a quiz when it just walked in. I like that. It didn't even fly in. It walked in. It's always staring at us from the fence in the garden. And they do that. They are psychos. I don't, I'm literally looking at one now hovering over somebody's street. I'm sure I've told you the story before where I lived in this part of Dublin before. And there was a lot of noise going up on one of the roofs. And I thought it was seagulls just acting the maggot at the same hour every morning. And to my, like, I made a mistake. Granted, I threw a stone to try and get them to fuck off, basically. Turns out there was a nest up there. There was babies up there. I realized that immediately. Uh, sorry, I stopped throwing the stones, but I shit you not, every day, there was a church across the road from that house that I was living in. The seagulls would wait for me. I'm not, this is not a lie. They would wait for me at the steeple of the church. They would see me turn the corner and they would swoop for me. Five or six of them just swooping really close to me, intimidating me. I'm not even joking. Psychos. Anyway, she goes back to say, our whole house is so white. What? Our whole house is white. So we thought it would just walk into the toilet or something like that. What has that got to do with it? 
it's just a white house thing. It's a seagull. So they like white things. <laughs> we were following it, following it about because I was wor- worried it would steal my Love Island water bottle. Lord, what? <laughs> I was worried it would steal my Love Island water bottle or do something with the bottle of champagne. (laughs) She continued, we were quite drunk at the time. Well, girls, lesson learned there. I think the seagull was hammered as well. We were drunk at the time and we were just screaming. Our friends could see from the laptop on the table they were trying to film it all. Charlotte ran to the toilet to be sick and I was left to clear it all up. It was just vile. It's hard to explain. But it was like this gloopy rice. It took a good five minutes to clear up. Now, the seagull or Charlotte's mess? What are we talking about here, Natalie? The footage was filmed during lockdown on April the 12th, but Natalie says the seagull has continued to look in at them since. (laughs) A pervert seagull. I resent that it's called Stephen. She continued, we knew something would happen with that seagull. We know it's the same one because it's just so fat. (laughs) we've nicknamed him Stephen so he's also fat and we've nicknamed him Stephen cheers guys he still sits on the fence looking in but thankfully he hasn't come back into the house he hasn't come back into the house yet sounds like you've got a bit of a fanboy there girls another classic headline from NBC News it's a video actually but you should google this the headline is man dressed as the grim reaper on in Florida uh, sorry on uh, as dressed as the Grim Reaper on Florida beaches to warn people about coronavirus. I'll watch this video. It's hilarious. It's roasting out there. In Florida, they don't give a flying fuck. They're all out in the beaches and this guy dresses up as the Grim Reaper warning them about the coronavirus. Subtle point he's trying to make there. S- dressing himself up as the Grim Reaper. You have to watch it. It's very funny. And then this other one from Sky News is a classic. Sky News... Headline says, scientists say that they went, inverted commas, cuckoo due to laughing gas from penguin poo. True story. Check it up. Nitrous oxide pollution is no laughing matter. Who writes these headlines? Nitrous oxide pollution is no laughing matter, warned the scientists who note it is a significant greenhouse gas. Scientists have reported getting so high on the nitrous oxide have reported getting so high on the nitrous oxide emitted by penguin poo that it actually made them ill. (laughs) Where were... So you guys were up there or were you flying above it or what's going on? The levels of nitrous oxide was more... which is more commonly known as laughing gas given off by the colony's feces was about 100 times higher than in a fertilised field. What are you eating, penguins? Professor Bo Elberling from the University of Copenhagen said the, quote, truly intense, end quote, amount of nitrous oxide exhumed was enough to send somebody, quote, completely cuckoo. He actually said that. If he's gen- if he's from Denmark as well, then he wouldn't, like, he would just be saying that very deadpan. <laughs> it sent us completely cuckoo. He said it's truly intense, not least... Because nitrous oxide is 300 times more uh, more polluting than CO2, he explained. After nosing about in guamo, which is the term given to the excrement of seabirds and bats. Seabirds and bats? Bat shit is called guamo. Who knew? I'm after getting guamo. Do you know when, so next time you're walking down the street and it happens to you, you go, I'm some, a bird's after guamoing on my head. 
After nosing about in the Guama for several hours, one goes completely cuckoo. He said it again. One begins to feel ill, ill, sorry, ill, <laughs> and get a headache. He added the small nitrous oxide cylinders that you see lying up and floating around Copenhagen are no match for this heavy dose, which results from a combination of nitrous oxide with hydrogen sulfide and other glass, gases. Now, a lot of you already know what's going to happen here, but... It says nitrous oxide canisters are often sold legitimately for producing whipped cream, but they're also recreational taken through a balloon, with users often littering the small canisters behind. That's true. I never came across the whole balloon thing until I was in um, London. And I worked in Shoreditch and like the play, you just hear the ping of the canisters being dropped all over the place. I did it once. I'm not going to lie to you because I don't think it's illegal. But because you can just get those canisters in any catering shop. But uh, yeah, you do. It's a pretty weird feeling. But yeah, that's all the rage now. It's like you pay pay a pound and you get a suck off a balloon and you just feel really happy. Um, I probably shouldn't be. I'm not condoning it. There you go. I'm out of trouble. Woo. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying I did it and I'm sorry. Anyway, so that's what that's what all the cool kids in Shortage can do now is go down to the penguins and just smell some penguin guamo or whatever it was called um professor elbring said it is clear to us that the level of nitrous oxide is very high in places where there are penguins and thereby guano and vice versa lower in places where there is none he noted that the study had a lot of relevance relevance for danish agriculture which uses nitrogen fertilizer and so emits quantities of nitrous oxide one of the things we can learn for example is how and when to fertilize vis-a-vis the up optimal conditions for soil bacteria to produce nitrous oxide he added there you are now all i've learned from that to be honest with you is that somebody can make a business out of selling penguin shit that's all i learned from that anyway that was the news now it's time for some music greg clifford is a dublin-based musician Clifford spent much of 2019 working on his latest album lines of desire an album that Clifford explains is about responding to impulse and trusting intuition. Greg has very kindly sent us in this beautiful piece that will be the first single from his upcoming LP. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to introduce to you from Greg Clifford, this is Open Fire. Fire upon my heart, limb from limb, sound apart. Oh, now check yourself before you do something you regret. Oh, don't you come on, darling, express yourself. Don't you leave me hanging with these regrets. This ship is sinking. My head's a mess My head's a mess Patterns form acquiesce Chasm growing, we digress Sweet, sweet serenity Constantly eluded me Won't you come on, darling Express yourself Don't you leave me hanging With these 
you come on, darling Express yourself Don't you leave me hanging With these regrets This ship is sinking My head's a mess My head's a mess Won't you come on, darling Expose yourself Don't you leave me hanging on When you've been with someone else Our ship is sinking My head's a mess My head's a mess Open fire That was Open Fire by Greg Clifford. You can follow Greg's work on www.gregcliffordmusic.com. I will put that link in the description to this podcast so you can click it and follow his social medias and all the kind of work that he is up to. Really hoping to have Greg back on the show at some point in the future so we can have a proper chat about the work he's doing. But that was Open Fire by Greg Clifford. Now, I was telling you earlier on that i wanted to tell you this story about this guy jim walmsley i still can't even say his name properly but anyway here's why it's a kind of roundabout story but it's been an interesting week for me personally right because first of all i don't know if i told you last week i can't remember but i've had some interesting chats with my therapist in the last couple of weeks now they have been interesting from a couple of points of view one that she forgot an appointment (laughs) she forgot an appointment can you imagine that Imagine, you're like, but of course, it's just like a job to therapists, isn't it? Like, who'd want to have therapy booked in for five o'clock on a Friday? You know, the therapist has checked out. I'm not saying that that's my time, but, you know, when she forgets an appointment, that's kind of, anyway, she's great. I'm not, I'm not criticizing her or anything like that. I just think it's funny because we can be so sensitive towards therapy. And anyway, that's what I was learning in the last couple of weeks was that I'm a really, sensitive person now that might sound weird well it's certainly weird for me to say out loud but it might feel weird for you listening to that and thinking jesus is he only working that out about himself right now here's why it was interesting because she has mentioned it a couple of times and i think she said it to me for the first time two weeks ago she said you you know you are a very sensitive person and i was like really and of course straight away I got defensive about it. For some reason, as a man, if you're called sensitive, you get defensive. I'm not fucking sensitive. I'm not fucking... Sensitivity is seen as a weakness for some reason. So she said it again then last week, and I was thinking to myself, well, actually, she said it again the the second week she said it. It really sunk in the week before the realization that I am a very sensitive person. And I said it to my girlfriend. I said, do do, do you think I'm sensitive? And she was like, yeah. (laughs) One of those things that, you know, that you didn't necessarily know that clearly about yourself, but that the person that you're living with is going, oh, yeah, 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 you're sensitive. Not only did she say that I was sensitive, she said I was more sensitive, far more sensitive than her, which, again, as a man, you get a bit defensive about that. You go, I'm not not fucking sensitive. I'm stronger. I'm, you know, as if there's some connection to it being weak. 
So as some of you were probably online on an Instagram live, we were I had Ian Ajan, my girlfriend, on with me. And we we're having good chats with the the people online and having good crack. And I and I broached the subject with people online and my girlfriend there to say that I'm learning that I'm a sensitive person, and in some ways it's an exciting time because I kind of get to explore that a little bit more and stop trying to put up the facade of being a tough guy. Not that I necessarily think that I do that. But without realizing it, down the years, because of the different environments that I've been in, I've worked on building sites, I've been on football teams, these are macho environments, and in order to survive those environments, you, unbeknownst to you, you kind of put up these layers of, inverted commas, masculinity, macho-ness, when you don't really feel that way on the inside. And I mentioned it on Instagram Live, and I got loads of messages from people going, yes, talk about sensitivity. I'd love to hear you talking about sensitivity on the podcast. It's not talked about enough. So that's why the story of Jim Walmsley comes in. Now, if you... I'm going to just... Jim Walmsley. Just, it's Walmsley. (laughs) I can't say... W-A-L-M-S-L-E-Y. I've even heard it said, I don't know how many times, but I can't say it properly. But anyway, Jim Walmsley holds the record... For the Western States Endurance Run. Now, what is the Western States Endurance Run? This is crazy. Listen to this. This is the this is all about it here. The Western States Endurance Run, known commonly as the Western States 100, is a 100 mile. That's for those of you who work in kilometers. That's 161 kilometers ultra marathon. So a normal marathon is 42.2 kilometers. But this ultra marathon is, um, yeah, nearly three times the length of a regular standard marathon. And it's not only harder in the fact that it's much longer than a marathon, it's an ultra marathon, which means it doesn't take place on roads. It takes place in California's Sierra Nevada mountains. Mountains, ladies and gentlemen. It takes place on trails each year on the last weekend of June. The race starts at the base of the Squaw Valley Ski Resort. So that's how high up they are. It's at a ski resort and finishes at the Placer High School track in Auburn, California. The terrain is rugged, frequently showcasing snow on the highest places. Snow in June. That's how high these fucking mountains are. Snow at the highest passes and record hot temperatures throughout the course. So you have to deal with snow at the top of it and like 40 degree heat Celsius. Don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Runners could ascend a cumulative of 18,090 feet, 5,500 meters, and descend a total of 22,000 feet. So, like, it's not just in the mountains on trails. That's how much they have to climb. Five and a half thousand meters they have to climb, and they have to go down 7,000 meters on mountain trails before reaching the finish. Because of the length, the race commences at five in the morning and continues through the day and into the night. It's crazy. I've watched movies on this stuff. Runners finishing before the 30-hour time limit for the race receive a commemorative bronze medal, bronze belt buckle, while runners finishing under the 24 hours receive a silver belt buckle. Not to mention... Sorry, I forgot to, to add this in. That on this trail, sometimes the course gets diverse, diverted over the course of the race because of snakes and bears. So Jim Walmsley holds the record 
for doing this in the fastest time. He smashed the old records. I think the record now is at 14 hours and something. So he's done that climb, a 100 mile, 161 kilometers marathon in 14 hours. He's not going to sleep. Do you know what I mean? 14 hours for most of us of a day is too long. If we had to put in a shift in work of 14 hours, you'd be going, fuck off. I'm not doing that. But this week I became fascinated by this guy because to me, somebody like that kind of epitomizes like toughness or... Or, or, or masculinity, or um, macho-ness. Like, he's tough, he's strong, you know? And then I came across this absolutely fascinating interview with him uh, that was done only in the last year. So this will give you... I'll give you the intro to this uh, particular interview um, because this is an interview that is after the movie they made of him when he did his first attempt of breaking uh, the record. And this it's an amazing movie that I kind of don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll see if maybe I will s- tell you what it's actually about um, as to what exactly happened in the story. But at the start of the movie in the, in, of him going to break the record, you got to understand, he had never run an ultramarathon before. He'd never done a 100-mile race. And here he was... This is how confident, this is how sure of himself he was. This is how tough he was. He was basically predicting that he is going to go and smash this record. That's how macho he was. That's what it looked like to me anyway in this interview. So listen to Jim Walmsley here in the interview. This was his attitude before going and doing his first attempt at Western States. Brian Powell of I Run Far here with Jim Walmsley before the 2016 Western States 100. How are you, Jim? Doing great. So it's your first 100. Yeah. But you're also a competitive guy. I mean, like, is just finishing a goal? My goal is to win, period. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the goal with the side goal being I want to have a crack at the course record. How confident is that? His first time doing a 100-mile race and he's basically telling reporters that my goal is to is to win it and the side is like I'll probably just try to add on to beat the record as well. The guy the unbelievable confidence of this guy it's inspiring to me. To me as a person as someone like as you know like amateurly getting into a bit of running but that confidence to just say that out loud that I'm going to go smash the course record. But this is the attitude of the of the guy. This is the mindset of this kind of a guy. Listen to this. If I can isolate other runners and make it a one-on-one and we both go to dark place, I'm going to win. In those low moments, I got this grinding gear that's just faster. I want to isolate other runners and make you run by yourself and me run by myself. And I'm going to put all my chips on me and just be like, not getting me. It's just been proven again and again and again at this point. I'm winning those battles. What a mentality. Imagine saying that if we go to a dark place, I'm winning. I'm going to beat you. I want to isolate you. I want to be one on one. Like this is, we watched, you know, everybody's been watching the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance on Netflix and the mentality of him for winning. But I mean, this is different because at least Jordan had a team around him. Like this guy... 
Jim Walmsley is going out there running a hundred miles, and he like that's dark in itself. And he's saying if if this goes to a dark place, if I get isolated one on one with you, I'm not giving up. I'm going to go darker. I'm going to go deeper. This guy was unbelievable to me uh, watching this. And then you watch the movie of his first attempt. And for a good... uh, It's unbelievable to watch him. He's 50 miles into the race and he's still running as if he's running an 800 meter race. He is flying it through the mountains. He's coming up to these stations, you know, uh, where, you know, you get a little bit of a refill and they'll spray some water on your head and give you something to eat and going on again. But he's so confident. He's like, yeah, yeah, feeling good, feeling good. Everything was going amazing for him on his first attempt. Listen to this. Early on in the race, we get reports that Jim's ahead of pace. That comfortable rhythm started leading to fast splits, which started rolling into course record pace, and it was turning into this magical, awesome running day. Go, man. See ya. The buzz was like insane. Everywhere you'd go, he's on a roll. Is he gonna blow? Like people were just starting to really become like obsessed with how fast he's going. The gap that he was putting on on like the actual course record was huge. So it was definitely something historical about to happen. I think at one point of the movie that follows him on his first attempt at the record, I think he's an hour ahead of the record at one point, and he is not slowing down. He does not look weaker. He does not look like he's going to give in. I I don't know exactly what the numbers were as to how far he got, but I'd say it was approximately, according to my memory, he was about seven-eighths into the... I don't know why I used that fraction, but... (laughs) He was very far into... He was more than three-quarters into this race, and he was still absolutely killing it. But then, you know, something interesting happens. You kind of have to watch the movie for it, because I don't want to give it all away on you but this tough ultra marathon guy it doesn't work out for him that's why you need to watch the movie and the way that it happens is just like you know basically he doesn't win but the reason that he doesn't win and the way he didn't win is absolutely fascinating obviously the link is going to be in the description to this podcast for you to go and check it out and it's not even to do with running it's like doesn't matter if you're into running or whatever this story is absolutely fascinating but he doesn't win the race but in this interview when he's talking about that experience you start to find out some interesting things about this guy that up to this point i am perceiving to be the ultra tough guy the ultra macho man and it's an interesting story as to what way his life went. He was running in high school and he went to work after high school. And it's a super interesting story as to what way his life went after high school. I committed to the Air Force Academy for college. After you graduate from the Air Force Academy, you have a five-year commitment. My first base is Malmstrom Air Force Base in Great Falls, Montana. As a nuclear missileer, I worked 24-hour shifts underground in a small room. It was a really bad lifestyle at the time. I was spending more and more time alone and not running. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that working not only 24-hour shifts, but working at a, a nuclear base. Now, when you watch this interview, and you can see it online, I'll put the link to this particular interview in there as well, you see what a, what a military base is like, and these missiles are kept, like, way, way, way 
below ground level in these like horrible okay they're modern but these tunnels and you're locked away like in this this place that ah it's like worse than solitary confinement because you're so far away from from you know even just the sky you're just underground it's awful not to mention that you're working on a nuclear base like where there's nuclear missile missiles i nearly said missiles there i don't know whatever missiles that you know i don't you know you all know what a fucking nuclear missile can do i've seen hiroshima like it's horrific like these these missiles are can fucking blow up half of a planet and there he is after school, a young man down a bloody hole working 24-hour shifts to, I assume, look after the missile or whatever. No wonder it's fucking not... Of course, it's not good for your head, but also no wonder he's able to do 100 miles of running because, you know, if you're locked locked away for that long, maybe that's the kind of way that you react to it. I don't know. Now, I thought my carpentry apprenticeship was bad when I dropped out of school and ended up down the back of a factory just cutting wood non-stop all day. But at least I got to go home, even if it was in the dark. But at least it wasn't a 24-hour shift. But obviously, you know, he started off on a bad foot there, but things got a little bit worse. With the Air Force, uh, I started out on a bad foot when I first got to Montana. I was gonna go rock climbing and essentially we get out there and they're like, hey, did you grab the rope? And I'm like, why would I grab the rope? It's your rope. All right, well, let's go back in town and let's just grab some beers. Starting to make our way back home around 8.39. I was super tired and just didn't feel comfortable driving. So I pull over, I decide to take a nap and I'll wake up and I'll start driving again in the morning and kind of get a tap on my window around like 2 a.m. I ended up blowing over a .08. Now, that obviously refers to the fact that he's done a breathalyzer test and he has failed it. He is over the limit. So he's in a bit of trouble. Because I was in the vehicle and I possessed the keys in my pocket, I got charged with the DUI. I was a second lieutenant with a DUI on their record. I was basically fighting my whole career with this black mark. And then... A proficiency testing scandal surfaces at Malmstrom. Already having a black mark, that's what led to my separation in the Air Force. Being a young adult, I thought it was catastrophic. That just turned into these big depression. I started seeing psychiatrists getting suicidal. I couldn't drink at home by myself. I'd like beat myself up at night and just break stuff all the time and just really low places. It's just a hard place to have like isolation and being by yourself and knowing that if you had a quick way out, you would have totally taken it. Now, I know that that is probably difficult to listen to, uh, but I, I, the reason I left it in there was because it really did, with me personally, strike a chord. Because I, I know a lot of you have heard some of my, my work and my stand-up comedy, especially my debut show, Son of a Preacher Man, where I do talk openly about the mental health issues that I had in the past and and suicidalness and things things like that. But the thing that struck me about about watching this was, for me, it came out of absolutely nowhere. If you Google Jim Walmsley... 
what you will see is a record-breaking, award-winning, like ridiculous amount of medals, ultra-marathon runner, the toughest one of the t- it has to be one of the toughest people in the world to be able to do what he does, to be able to run through the pain that he does. And at the beginning of this interview, as you can hear, his self-confidence, his belief in himself, his drive to say, I'm going to win this race and I'm going to beat the record, that kind of confidence is absolutely inspiring. But at no point d- did I think, watching this, that there was this vulnerability and sensitivity that he had underneath him that he had this in his past i was absolutely blown away it really made me start to think about myself not as an an ultra marathon runner or any of these things but they brought me back to the question of my 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 therapist going to me do you think you're sensitive Stephen? and my girlfriend saying you are sensitive Stephen," and me not being able to admit to myself that i am a sensitive person we had the email that I read out last week about uh, the listener who wrote in to say that they nobody talks about vulnerability and strength in the same sentence and the perceptions that we have of people that we think because they appear to be successful, whatever that means, that we think that they're strong, that they don't appear to have any weakness. And yet here was the perfect example. I'm watching this interview of Jim Walmsley and at the core of what really makes him vulnerable and the core of who he is as a person is this ridiculously tough time that he went through that must have been tougher than than doing any hundred miles. And he was in a place that he was super lost, obviously, and in a really, really bad place. Now, I don't know exactly how he felt, but I know what it feels to feel those feelings that he was talking about, those dark feelings. I know what it's like to live in that place. And I'm sure it's different for everybody. But it was so amazing to hear somebody of his level, of his um, talent and his successfulness be open and vulnerable to talk about this. My parents were just super supportive and kind of knew I'd been in a crappy place for a long time Stuff hadn't gone well since I moved to Montana. They were just exactly what parents needed to be. It was actually the psychiatrist that was like, I I think you should start running and making that a priority in your life. And, And I think, like, I see that you're happier when you run and you go through bad spells when you don't get out the door and you don't go run. So it kind of became like just a medication. Now, I know there'll be some people listening to this kind of going, we signed up for a comedy podcast, Stephen, not this, but, you know, there is loads of laughs. And don't worry, I will bring it back up at the end of this podcast. But I just thought that watching this, there was something even more inspiring about this guy to me. That he was able to open up like this that he was able to talk honestly like this about his mental health struggles, about the hurt and the pain that he's going through and how he was able to find running his passion as a therapy for himself or as a medication, as he said. Believe you me, I have tried plenty of the medical medications, the, the ones that the pharmacists give you. I've been through them. 
I've been through quite a lot of them. And I'm telling you now, I'm not saying that running's for everybody, but the running that I'm doing in my life now is doing me way more than any of those antidepressants or sleeping tablets that I was given in the past. Now, obviously, there's different people have different needs, and some people do need the medication. I'm not saying that's for everybody. I'm just saying for me that sometimes it was too easy to give me the, the tablets when something like running now is doing me amazing, amazing um, for my mental health. But I just found him, his story, so inspiring. And that's why I wanted to share it with you. Because the truth of this story is that in his uh, attempt at breaking the record for the Western 100, he failed. So, after all of everything that he's been through in his life that you've just heard there, the difficulty that he's had with his mental health, with suicidal issues and stuff like that, he brings himself back into the world of running. He becomes one of the, the best ultra runners in the world. He goes with this massive confidence, this massive self-belief that he's going to go out there. Not only is he going to win this race, he's going to break the record and he failed. He was more than three quarters into the race. And that's why the movie is called Wrong Turn. I know it sounds ridiculous, but he literally took a wrong turn. He went two miles off course and he was still... If he had just gone straight back on, he could have competed. I don't know if he could have competed to win it. But he took a wrong turn and mentally his head just went. He refused to run. He nearly refused to walk at one stage. He finished that year in 20th place. But his friends were so amazing. And the, the, the end of this movie, of him doing the run, is so heartwarming and so touching because he did finish the race. But the end of the race was, and his attitude to the lessons he learned were just absolutely unbelievable. Here he is coming in in 20th place, coming into the end of the race. Things have taken off in a way better and way more positive and way more adventurous and amazing way than I ever thought possible. It's kind of weird that a lot of ultra runners have had some really low depression that sparked this absolute crazy mental illness that they want to run 100 miles and run for a day at a time. I feel really, really blessed that I don't feel like it was a chronic depression. It was a phase or a time in my life that wasn't the prettiest, not my proudest, but it really steered me in a direction in life to reprioritize what's important. You hear the like cliche of like, do something you're passionate about and things will just work out. It's ridiculous that that's actually, it feels like that happened. So there you go, at the beginning of, of that final segment there, you hear the round of applause of him running over the finish line, the rounds of applause of people going absolutely wild for him. I mean, you've got to understand the excitement for him doing this race. He was flying ahead like nobody had ever done before. All the tents that they have to set up, all the different places in the course 
the rest stop stations where you get fed and watered and all that kind of stuff, they had to set them up an hour earlier because they've never had to be there that early because nobody had ever run it this quickly before. This was unprecedented. And it failed. It didn't happen. He took a wrong turn and that was the end of it. And he did manage to finish the race, but it's such a beautiful moment watching the movie when he crosses the line, all his friends are there supporting him and encouraging him. And here's the kicker. I told you he's the Western States champion. I told you he's the Western States record holder. And he went back the next year. And did he break the record the next year? No. He failed again. I'm not lying to you. He went back the next year and didn't even finish because something happened the next year and it didn't finish. Now, the past two years, he has won it and he has broken the record. But that attitude that he has, even in this interview, to say that he's so grateful and blessed for the people that he has around him, it's amazing. And to me, it was inspiring because we're all in weird places in our lives right now where we all might feel a little bit down and out because of the situation that the the world is in at the moment. And yet, I just thought this was a brilliant story. A brilliant story of somebody who appears and is self-confident at certain times, but is also honest about the vulnerability and the failings that they can have in life and the things that really hurt. Here was somebody that I thought was super macho, super strong, And yet, actually, underneath it, you see that he's a super sensitive guy as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing. So thanks to Jim Walmsley. You've been an inspiration to me. And I hope, I know this is a little bit different for you guys, but I hope you enjoyed that story. It was just so good. I thought it was a shame to just pass it off. And I could have just sent you the YouTube clip and for you to watch. But I thought this was a little bit special, a little bit different. Don't worry, I said we'll be bringing it back up at the end. And we shall. See that? Like a true comedian can't stay too serious for too long. Oh my God, is it too vulnerable? Am I getting too emotional? Jesus Christ, no. Get the old clown horn out there now and make people laugh at the end of the show, Stephen. (laughs) Well, we couldn't be closing off the show on a finer point, if you don't mind me saying so. Because the summer months are coming in. I'm excited. Cold beers are gorgeous and all that stuff, you know. Barbecues outside. Mm. But of course, of course we'd want an old summer cocktail. And who better to give it to you than our good friend from Proper Order Coffee Company. Niall Wynn is back in the house, ladies and gentlemen, to give you the recipe that you can all make at home yourselves. It's so simple. Here it is. The Coffee Martini from Niall Wynn. Hello again. Uh, Thanks for having me back. This time we're going to talk about two things. Uh, The first is going to be how to make a cold brew concentrate. And then the second is going to be how to use that concentrate uh, to make a cold brew martini. Uh, So the the idea being that not everybody has uh, access to an espresso machine, but everybody loves delicious espresso martinis. And I think that the cold brew martini is actually probably a little bit better and a hell of a lot easier to make. So the first thing you're going to need to do is make your cold brew concentrate. 
to do that, you're going to take the French press recipe that we talked about before. Um, I'm sure Stephen will link to that uh, somewhere in the bio or in the info. And you're going to take that recipe and double the amount of coffee you use. Uh, so what I did was I made 500 mils of cold brew concentrate. And to do that, I used 60 grams of coarsely ground coffee and 500 mils of hot water. Now, this is the strange part. Most people tell you when you're making cold brew that you want to use cold water. But I like to do it a little bit differently uh, for the cold brew martini because you need it to be that little bit stronger. So you're going to take 500 mils of hot water, 30 grams of coarsely ground coffee, brew them together for four minutes, and then do exactly what we did when we made the French press. You're going to push any coffee that's floating on the top after four minutes and let it sink to the bottom. What you want to do then is let it cool completely. Once it's cool, you pop it in the fridge overnight, take it out the next day, and then you filter any ground coffee out. And what you're left with then is cold brew concentrate. You can do 101 things with that. You can, you know, dilute it down and have some regular cold brew. You can mix it 50-50 with a little bit of tonic water. Um, but my favorite thing to do it is to make a cold brew martini. So the way I do that, and I spent a little bit of time thinking about this and trying to put it together. So I look for spirits and liqueurs that were really, really readily available. And so we're gonna make this using uh, Kahlua, Absolute Vodka, our cold brew concentrate, and some Fee Brothers Aztec chocolate bitters, uh, which is a little bit different, um, but I think it works really, really well, especially if you're using some uh, some coffee that's gonna be you know, medium to light roast, which is what we sell uh, at proper order. Um, actually, on that point, the, the coffee that we used uh, to make the cold brew concentrate it was the filter blend and that is the coffee that Square Mile have just released and it works really really well it brews beautifully as a filter and when you brew it um, in the way that I explained it actually works perfect it's a little bit round it's a little bit chocolatey uh, it's very very coffee-ish and um, so it works really really well and simply uh, for the martini you're going to take equal quantities of the Kahlua the absolute vodka and then the cold brew concentrate. Uh, so what I did was I took 30 mils of each and then two dashes of the Aztec chocolate bitters, four, four or five handfuls of ice depending on how big your hands are. Uh, for me it's five because my hands are quite small. And then you just shake it until you get a nice frothy uh, head on it and then you do what's called double strain. Uh, so you pass it through a sieve while filtering it out of your shaker. Um, and what you end up is with a really, really smooth, delicious uh, cold brew martini. And the reason I like it and the reason it's a little bit different is because the Fee Brothers, uh, the Aztec chocolate bitters, gives it a kind of a cinnamony, spicy thing. And, <laughs> you know, I've made this for a couple of people and at this stage, and I've made a few myself, and it's hard to get away from the fact that it's really, really delicious. So it actually tastes a slight little bit like Coca-Cola. And there's obviously a lot of coffee flavor in there. And the vodka actually doesn't come through a whole lot, which I think is a good thing in a martini, because that could put, um, put a few people off. But yeah, if you just mix it all together, shake it, double strain it, and put it in whatever glass you want. You know, I kind of drink it out of a short fat glass. And then don't bother putting the three coffee beans on top. 
that's just a waste of good coffee. So yeah, that's it. That's my guide to making a really, really good cold brew martini. Not too much fuss, uh, really, really easy going. And in my opinion, it's gonna be better than an espresso martini and a hell of a lot easier to make. Cheers, thanks for having me again. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. It tastes better than an espresso martini. Tastes like Coca-Cola. Mmm, delicious. I'm looking forward to making that later on, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, that is all that we have time for. But I always have time to say thank you. Thank you to Leon Vaughn, who helps me out on the show. Sitting on the front porch in sunny downtown Sumter, South Carolina. Thank you as ever, Leon. Thank you to the 11 new patrons who have joined the show. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Hopefully have a new show for you on Patreon soon. To those of you who can't support me on Patreon, you can support me for free. It would mean the world to me if you told a friend about the show, if you shared it on your social media. Every little helps me, as they say. I haven't robbed that slogan from anybody else. Uh, thank you to Greg Clifford for contributing to the show this week. Hopefully have him back soon. Jenna's going to be back on the, sh- on the show soon, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got an amazing show for you coming up next week. Where we're going to be talking about such things as music therapy. Who knew it was a thing? I really didn't. But I've got a super interesting guy to talk to you about that. Some exciting guests coming on the show as well soon. But for now, it's Happy Tuesday. Or whatever day it is that you will be listening to this. I hope you have a great week. I hope you enjoy the sunshine. And also, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Big thank you to Jim Walmsley. Walmsley. I'll learn how to say it sometime. But anyway, thank you for running. Keep running. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for going through tough times and keep moving forward positively. I hope you have a great week, ladies and gentlemen. Peace out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.